Before we get started today, I want to take a minute to mention that ASBA has been listening to all of the alarming stories that have been coming to light over the last few weeks. Uh, this has been thanks to the work of Brianne Allen, aka Rat Magnet. She is the production manager at Notch Brewing Company in Salem, Massachusetts. We definitely acknowledge that we need to do better. Uh, so us as ASBA have been working at providing our members with some tools, resources, and educational sessions that will be coming available uh, to everybody soon. We also just want to make note that we will be dedicating our next podcast uh, that we're hoping to have released here within the next couple of weeks. Um, that's going to be focusing on some of these issues. Um, also, the guests that will be joining us are some wonderful individuals who are experts within this area. So please stay tuned. Uh, this is definitely is an important podcast that um, we are very excited to release. Um, yeah, this is definitely an issue that needs to have a little bit of focus um, because like I said, we definitely need to do better and we will do better. Everybody. We'd like to welcome you to um, our second podcast of our series. So welcome, everybody. And just before we get started, I just want to make note that today patios are now open again. So hopefully everybody can get out and about and enjoy the beautiful weather um, and go sit on some lovely patios. Um, and also keep in mind for um, in-person dining, we are aiming for June 10th as of that date. So um, everybody stay tuned and hopefully, um, yeah, within just a little over a week, we can um, be also sitting in dining and, and sharing some beers and stuff with some friends. Absolutely. And hopefully listening to uh, all the best craft banter while you're at it. Yeah. yeah episode two. This is really exciting. Very <laughs> so, exciting. Yeah. Um, so yeah, this episode, we are talking with a few members of our ESG committee with the Alberta Small Brewers Association and a couple of reps from PacTech about our recycling program for PacTechs, those plastic holders that come on your four packs, sometimes six packs. You all know them. You all love them. They are so convenient, but they are also recyclable. So we're talking about how our member craft breweries and other stakeholders around the province are helping us make sure that those don't end up in landfills and those get recycled into new pack packs. So a lot of interesting information coming up on that segment. And then we're also talking to Rhiannon Green from Alberta on the Plate. ASBA is a beer sponsor, the exclusive beer sponsor for this year's event in August. So we have a lot of fun information and details coming up on that as well. So we have Annie, who is the marketing coordinator with PacTech, Gary, the sustainability manager with PacTech, Kirk from Blind Man Brewing, and Andrew from NX Ale. All right. And our ASBA recycling program, which for the member listeners of our podcast, we started it about a month ago and we have more than 18 participants signed up. So that includes our member breweries, as well as some restaurants and some liquor stores throughout the province. So we're really excited about how well it's been ramping up. And if you are interested in participating, this podcast will tell you more, or you can reach out to admin at albertabrewers.ca. 
All right. So we'll jump into some questions here. Um, Andrew and Kirk, as members of the association and members of our ESG committee, you guys really brought this project to life. Um, why did you want to see this program in place? Andrew. <laughs> um, I don't know. Is existential dread a good question, a good place to start? <laughs> um, <laughs> we just, uh, you know, for us, it's, uh, it's, it really comes down to uh, the concept of uh, extended producer responsibility. We want to make sure that we're trying our best to um, take responsibility for um, any kind of waste streams that we're putting out there. Um, and that includes trying to use sustainable um, packaging methods uh, for all of our products. Um, yeah, we want to try and lessen our impact on, uh, on, on the environment. That's really what it comes down to. Kirk? Yeah, I'd echo that. You know, it, it's kind of baked into the ethos of craft brewing just to try to do better in everything we do with, you know, people, with the, our, you know, our beer itself, and obviously now sustainability. And, you know, I'm, I'm really excited about this project. So this is like the starting point, the jumping off point for how breweries can reduce their impacts and really identifying all those other avenues within a brewery that can end up in recycling instead of landfills. Okay. And you kind of touched on this in our pre-conversation group, but so why are we doing this where cities aren't? Yeah, like plastic recycling has gotten a bit of a bad rap over the past couple of years because of low value plastic kind of clogging up everything. But these are made, these are obviously made of post-consumer recycled plastic, which I'm sure the PacTech folks will talk about soon. But they're made of high value HDPE plastic. There's a big market for this kind of stuff. The issue is that the municipal recycling plants can't really, or, or currently can't really, we're going to work with them. They can't grab the actual physical shape of the pack tech and they're worried about it the plastic getting in to the cardboard recycling and contaminating that so that's the reason that they're hands off at this point hopefully we can get them on board with some testing etc um, but you know in the meantime it's up to us to uh to you know get this uh, plastic back to uh, pack tech and turn it into new pack tech awesome um, so I, go, I guess this uh, question also would go to Andrew and Kirk, um, being brewery owners. Um, how many pack techs do you think your brewery can recycle in a month? Um, so from what we know so far, we've done this for, you know, roughly a month, uh, just went through an inventory account and um, just trying to reclaim the white ones that we use. Um, we reclaimed about 2,500, which was good to see. Um, I've got about three quarters of um, one of these um, Gaylord boxes at our place. Um, I would estimate we've got about 5,000 handles um, that don't include the white ones that we're trying to reuse. Um, so, yeah, we've had substantial um, uh, a substantial return rate already, which is great to see. Yeah, and hopefully, you know, over the next year, we can recover, you know, hundreds of thousands of these. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. So would you estimate or kind of just subjectively say that maybe since the program's been announced, more people have started to bring these back? Do beer drinkers generally want to see this as an option? Are they excited that you guys have introduced this in your breweries? Um, we've seen beer drinkers be really excited about participating both at our brewery and um, at, uh, at liquor stores throughout town. Um, we've had a lot of liquor stores reach out because their customers want to bring them back. Um, and yeah, this, this program is still very much in its infancy and we expect it to grow substantially. 
Yeah, you know, just yesterday, we signed up three more liquor stores, you know, delivering bins to them yesterday, in fact. Um, and we see lots of people being really excited about this and, you know, really want to be a part of this for sure. Awesome. Yeah, that's great. Um, so Annie and Gary, um, pack techs are made from recyclable materials. Can you explain the entire life cycle of a pack tech for us? The life cycles of the product is pretty simple. I mean, it all starts from milk jugs and household containers. And, and it comes from the consumers putting their waste into the recycle stream. And what we're doing is we're taking that waste and we're converting it into a useful material to give that material a second life, um, which is our PacTech handles. From there, what we're trying to do is to get them back into the recycle stream where they belong because as Kirk mentioned, it is a valuable material being HDPE number two. And our effort is to keep that in the recycle stream. So if we can get it into the recycle stream and get it back to being reprocessed, we can take that back and make new products again, ultimately giving them a third, fourth and fifth life and on and on and on. And that is our ultimate goal is to keep this material into the recycle stream and keep the life of the material and reduce all the resources that are needed to make new material. Okay. So just from a recyclable material to another recyclable material, essentially like this product creates very little waste when you guys produce it. So us just adding to that with your guys's help at the end of the line. Absolutely. Um, you mentioned about reducing waste as all of our production waste is also sent back to be put back into material that we can use to make product as well. So we're virtually um, zero waste. And if we can keep all the handles into, uh, into the recycling market, then it can be used in not only our products, but it can also be used in other products um, as well. That's really exciting. So Andrew and Kirk, kind of building on that, how does our program work and how does it add to PacTech's efforts? So uh, when we started this, um, Kirk and myself uh, decided to start um, acting as kind of the central collection point or the, uh, the consolidation point for um, other breweries and liquor stores in the province. Um, and we've since expanded to sea change as well in Edmonton to make sure that there's a consolidation point. Um, but what we're trying to do is um, assist people in getting the blue pack tech recyclable bins into breweries, um, get other breweries to act as uh, collection points um, with some of these larger um, Gaylord boxes. Um, and then when we're ready to go, we'll be sending um, uh, hopefully a truckload of Pactex um, off, off to the reprocessor, which is Merlin Plastics and Delta BC. And from there, they'll be reprocessed and um, sent back to, to Pactech to be uh, made into new handles. Yeah, exactly. And I want to kind of I want to kind of elaborate on what Gary said about milk jugs. Um, these are Albertan milk jugs. You know, Alberta has had you know milk jug recycling for a lot of years, and a portion of those milk jugs are going down to Pactech to be turned into this new Pactech. So this is just like another, another one more life cycle of, uh, of Albertans uh, plastic, which is kind of a great story. You're absolutely right. I just want to add to that because he's right. Um, our supplier out of Canada is Merlin Plastics. And so they're collecting everything that's being collected, uh, milk jugs and household containers. And they are our primary suppliers. So we're probably pulling in about um, roughly 12 to 18 million pounds 
um, out of their facility just to supply us. And so, yes, you're right. It is a circular model. Yeah, that's really, really interesting. This question, I guess, could go to either Annie or uh, Gary. Why is the recyclability of Pactex important to the company? You want to talk about that, Annie? Sure. I mean, you know, we're, we're committed to being good stewards of the environment and, you know, utilizing our 100% recycled materials in, in products and in our end packaging. Um, you know, we care deeply about the environment and, you know, all of the things we just talked about. Um, you know, it's important for us to uh, have 100% recycled content and product that's recyclable. Um, you know, everything down from our handles to our corrugated boxes to, um, you know, like Gary spoke of our manufacturing zero waste and, um, you know, everything going in from recyclable uh, again and again and again to infinitely recyclable. I mean, that's why the recyclability is, is so important to us just to have this product that keeps giving life, life, life. Yeah, and to add on that, I mean, the, the company is a family-owned business, and they're, they're Oregonians, and you know how Oregon is. They all want to be very green and uh, sustainable, and they're no different. And so they want their whole co- company to be um, acting sustainably and in a, in a very conscientious way, and part of that is the products that they produce, and that is the reason we went to 100% recycled content in our products is um, it's very important to the entire company. You know, we want the environment to stay as clean as possible. Yeah, you guys have gone through several iterations of what a pack tech is. Um, and you kind of touched on this already, Gary, but do you know what percentage of the material material when a pack tech is recycled is actually usable again? Uh, the percentages are a little bit vague at this point um, because we are newly developed into the program. And so we haven't captured a lot of information yet on those being returned to us. Um, but I can tell you this is that it's growing at a very rapid pace. Um, even here locally, we've actually hired uh, or contracted with Eco Generation, who actually goes around and collects from different breweries and what have you and brings them straight to our facility. And we actually send those up um, with our waste and get converted back. And so that is a full circular model. And that's the model we'd like to see happening in Canada as well, especially since our primary supplier is right there. And so uh, uh, I apologize, I don't have actual numbers for you at this time, but um, I anticipate it to be very good over the next couple of years and uh, very high volumes coming in on that basis. Yeah, that sounds great. This question, I guess I can ask maybe Annie, um, is there any kind of incentive for those businesses who are using PacTech um, to recycle PacTech? I mean, getting the word out about recycling um, and, you know, the education about, you know, the consumer actually using these PacTech handles, um, that they're recyclable and we want you to recycle them. And um, breweries are really stepping up and, I, you know, Flyman and Annex, you guys rock, um, really getting the word out there on, and then the education about, you know, what our product is made from, how it can be recycled and be reprocessed and reused again. Um, you know, that's, I mean, 
that's something that, you know, I'm just so, I'm just so happy about you guys helping us get the word out there. You know, to, to add to that, Annie's right. Um, there isn't really a solid monetary incentive, like the bottle bill, um, that type of thing. However, um, we really kind of fall on the incentive of protecting the environment and doing the right thing for the environment. Um, by using recycled materials like we are, is we're reducing natural resources from being depleted, um, which is extremely important, especially with climate climate action and some of those other things. But um, we're also keeping plastic out of the waste stream or out of the environment, I should say. Um, we're keeping it out of the oceans. We're keeping it out of the parks and other places. And um, this is very important to us. And I think it fits in line with uh, uh, a lot of the desires of consumers and and the like out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Andrew and Kirk might agree with me. And I think this is in large part why the association wanted to help make this program more robust. And it's a value add to your brand. You know, mm-hmm. consumers see your efforts and they like to know that you're trying and that you're working towards yeah. sustainability and that you take this on as a responsibility just as a good citizen and a, and a company. So I think that's probably one of the biggest incentives for a lot of people to participate in this. Yeah, um, you're absolutely right. And, you know, you talk about EPR and some of the, you know, responsibilities that are out there. And this is kind of our effort to try to take some of that on ourselves by um, helping to provide the tools necessary to try to get these collected and try to work with the breweries and associations like yourself to get those returned to the right reprocessor mm-hmm. to be used again. Mm-hmm. For sure. And so the next question I had listed kind of, we've already touched on it in a couple of different ways, I think. So I might replace it with a, a different question and I'm going to surprise you with this one, but wondering if there are any innovations um, in a compostable pack tech or some other kind of material that you guys are looking at or thinking about. Um, I'll I'll speak on that a little bit um, only because I'm in it all the time. Um, Yeah, we've investigated compostable. We've investigated biodegradable, oxidegradable. um, And what we've found through a lot of research and development is yeah, we could do it, but we choose not to do it. And the reason why is because it's not as sustainable as using recycled material and keeping that material into the system. The um, problem with the biodegradable and oxidegradable is there's only a handful of um, facilities out there that can actually handle it and actually degrade it the way it's supposed to. Um, so there's a little bit of false information going out about it. And, and we feel from an advertising or an education standpoint out there is you're basically telling people it's okay to throw it out in the environment because it's just going to degrade. Well, that's just not the case. And um, we've learned that through a lot of research. and um, It takes a special environment for it to degrade. And so it just doesn't do that. And we look at corrugate and some of those other things that obviously are, are more of a competitor to our product. Um, if you research and look at LCAs and that type of information, you'll find that the resources needed to produce corrugate 
of boxes or, or sleeves, that type of thing, take much more energy and much more resources to produce, even from a recycled content standpoint. And so, so we feel it is the most sustainable way to go. And uh, we want to keep that material into that usefulness and uh, keep reusing it. I like it. I'm learning something new every day. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Um, So I guess we'll stick right now kind of with Gary and Annie. Um, Is the, like our program, the ASBA program, is that a common program um, that you guys have seen around or is this something that's kind of new to you guys? Um, no, we, we have started to work with, um, victory packaging, um, over on the East coast in Massachusetts, and they're sort of doing something very similar to what you guys are doing. Um, they are, we give them a bunch of bins and they help distribute. Um, so that's, is very, that's very similar. We also have some, um, some breweries in Chicago that are doing the same thing. Um, where we have them acting as consolidators and they will distribute bins. Um, again, um, we have Stephanie in, um, she's associated with Walmart in Arkansas, right, Gary, Arkansas. Mm-hmm. That's correct. Yeah. Um, and Stephanie was doing the same thing for us. Uh, she still does. It, it has slowed down a little bit in Arkansas, but, and we're seeing, you know, pockets fill up, um, here and there, um, where, you know, curbside is not, you know, <clears throat> as welcome and we're finding, a, you know, a little bit, a little more holes. So, um, that's, that's where we see, you know, kind of like the blind man annex, what you guys are doing as well. And I'm, I'm just so excited that you guys picked us up <laughs> in Alberta. This is just, it's, uh, it's so exciting. Yeah. What, you know, what Annie's saying too is, you know, we have, close to, if not over 500 um, different partners out there that are actually collecting the handles and have <laughs> recycled bins. And we try to use distributors and stores um, to try to collect them. And what's the beauty of what you're doing and what we're real excited about is, is you understand the concept of trying to get these collected and get them back. And you know, there's a lot of effort that goes into that. Um, it's not just a matter of giving you a bin and saying, uh, Okay, figure out what to do with it. Um, it, That's the tough part because logistics always comes into play. And and what you need is you need that central location to get a bulk quantity of them collected so that it's feasible for uh, processors and MRFs to have a truck come over and pick it up and have full truck loads. And so what you're doing by partnering with us is um, extraordinary. And I think it's going to be a model for us to put out there and get it expanded even further. Yeah, hopefully. I, I think, as I kind of mentioned in our previous conversation as well, there are other provincial associations that have taken note of what we're doing. So hopefully it is something that we can help PacTech expand and other yeah. craft breweries across Canada kind of jump on board and figure it out. So we're happy to be the test subjects for sure. Perfect. Yeah. Good. Andrew and Kirk, um, why should ASBA members sign on to this program? I think generally craft beer consumers um, have a really high participation rate when it comes to recycling initiatives, and they're really conscious when it comes to um, making selections um, with packaging that's recyclable in the first place. 
Um, we've noticed a really, really high participation rate with people bringing Pat Techs back uh, directly to the brewery, um, which helps drive, drive traffic to tap rooms, which has been a huge advantage from what we've seen so far. Um, so yeah, I think there's, I think there's room to have a pack tech recycling bin in every single tap room and, you know, many, many liquor stores, uh, across the province or even across the country. Yeah, totally. Um, and one thing, you know, we should kind of elaborate on as well is, you know, when we're talking about reduce, reuse, recycle, there's the reuse portion and these pack tech are reusable by brewery. So you return them to the brewery, they'll put them on the next flat of beer that's sent out to your favorite liquor store. You know, we'll, we'll get a lot of these reused. And then the ones that can't, well, we'll get them down to uh, Merlin Plastics. They got trucks running with Albertan milk jugs already. Easy, simple, start doing it. So I guess kind of backing onto that question about ASBA members um, signing onto the program, how do they sign, sign up for this? Yeah, you just got to reach out, uh, reach out to ASBA you know, or, or one of us, you know, me, Andrew, Taylor F at Sea Change, uh, we'll get, we'll point you in the right direction. Uh, Blair's got a list going, you know, we got bins where they need to be. They'll be put on PacTech's website. Um, we'll try to make it as seamless as possible, you know, try to work with us. This is, you know, something new, like uh, Gary and Annie talked about. It's, you know, on a scale that really hasn't been done before. So there might be some hiccups and we'll, We'll do what we can. You know, we found that there wasn't enough uh, Gaylord bins out there. So we've got breweries going to their local grocer and grabbing, you know, melon melon boxes. Another way to get uh, to reuse cardboard instead of just sending it to recycle. We've got melon boxes filled, pack check. And uh, yeah, you know, reach out to ASBA, reach out to one of us. We'll get her going. Yeah. And, and anyone is more than welcome to reach out on our website as well. We have a participation forum and we explain the program and we have a list of all of our drop-off locations. If, you know, we want to see someone that's doing someone's something similar or close by and definitely, you know, wanting to participate. And we, we're, we have a team that um, we respond to emails as well. So if there's any questions, you know, you need to get in touch with Kirk or Andrew, um, you know, we help facilitate that as well. Awesome. And so if someone does sign up through that partner form on the PacTech website, about how long does it take for them to get that recycle bin for their tap room or their liquor store? We try to get it out um, within 48 hours within that week. We're shipping bins like every day. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> That's awesome. I love that. Yeah, the best way for us to do it, you know, is to send them in bulk like uh, we did for you. Mm-hmm. That is the most efficient way, and, mm-hmm. um, rather than trying to piecemeal a shipment every every other day. Yeah, and I know that Kirk and Andrew had a supply. I think they might get a little more of a supply as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, if we don't already have one for you, you can go directly through PacTech. But uh, if you reach out to ASBA first, we can probably find one that's already in the province. So, yeah, it's a fairly quick process to get all started and up and running. and. Andrew and Kirk being kind of the the cheerleaders and the guys who spearheaded this, what do you hope the results of the program are? Immediately, I just hope that we can, um, you know, uh, capture and uh, you know, redirect a lot of this waste stream into something that's recyclable. Um, you know, if if we could start measuring the metric and seeing just how many pack techs are actually going back into, um, you know, the reuse and recycle program um, and to see those numbers grow would make us really, really happy. Um, I think there's really big advantages and a lot of opportunity for um, brewers to be able to save some money by reusing, which I'm really excited about. Um, yeah, I think there's a lot of advantages and we're, 
we're really proud of this program so far. Yeah, I think that's a good thing about using the going and working with the association like yourselves is because that'll help us to better track uh, how much is coming back and uh, and we can track how much is coming from our supplier out there in Canada and going into new handles. I think it's a great program. Yeah, and I know I know there's beer drinkers out there with just stacks of these things sitting at their homes right now, <laughs> and people are itching to get them back. So let's get them all back. Let's get, you know, hundreds of thousands of these uh, back to you folks down in uh, Oregon and uh, let's turn them into new ones. I love the concept. <laughs> yep, love that. Great. I think that's all the questions we had. Um, are there any additional thoughts, anything else we wanted to touch on, anything maybe that we needed to elaborate on or any other little details that we wanted to add? The only one thing I'll say is, is touch on exactly what Annie was saying, is that we are extremely excited um, that you folks are participating with us at this level to try to get this program in place. I, I just, um, it kind of warms your heart to know that there's other people out there that want to do the same thing, make things happen. And that's what it's all about. You know, if we're going to make a difference, we have to make some things happen. They're not easy choices. And, and it's never simple like you hope. And uh, as Kurt mentioned about getting hundreds and thousands of these back into the recycle stream and back into good usable material. Um, as you know, with all of the big CPGs and a lot of these other companies are pushing hard to increase their recycled content. Um, oh, by the way, I'll mention we've been doing this for 12 years. But um, the fact is, is that there becomes a shortage of feedstock and material that is recycled material. And so by putting these back into the system, we're help replenishing the end market of that material. So that's just another way to look at what we're doing to help benefit the economy and the environment. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. And on behalf of ASVA, definitely want to thank Pactech for partnering with us and helping us work so quickly to get this up and running. And also Andrew and Kirk for, like I said, really spearheading this program and doing a lot of the legwork to ensure that it, the logistics and the ideas are all in place so that we can actually make it happen. Um, being able to offer this to all of our member breweries and like I said, some restaurants and liquor stores throughout the province as well are signing on. Um, I think the impact is already pretty obvious. So I think we can only get better and do more from here. And the value add of having this uh, as a claim for your brand that you're actually making these efforts is extremely beneficial. And in Canada, obviously, our government is looking at single-use plastics, which this is not. So I think having this recycle program in place also demonstrates that and will be a really great thing for the federal government to look at when it comes time to look at their next wave of what they're what plastics they're considering. Um, so this is beneficial in so many ways, not just at the ground level, but um, in advocacy efforts for us as a provincial association for the uh, Canadian Craft Brewers Association as well. So all these efforts make a lot of difference at the end. So thank you guys very much. Oh, thank you. I appreciate you having us on. And uh, like again, cheers to you for uh, joining and participating. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, thanks so much. We're uh, proud to be a part of this project. So, yeah, great. you betcha. Cheers to you as well. <laughs> a 
I just want to throw out a big thank you to Connect Logistics. They are our annual sponsor uh, for ASBA. Um, so we just want to say thank you and we appreciate all your support um, throughout the year. Um, and also for anybody who is interested in sponsorship opportunities, we do have lots. Um, if you are interested in sponsoring um, our very own podcast with us, that'd be great. Um, if not, we've got lots of opportunities when it comes to the Alberta Beer Awards, year-round sponsor. Um, and of course, if we're able to have our trade show. Um, so yeah, just um, fire me an email and um, yeah, we can go from there. Everybody. So we are uh, joined today with um, Alberta on the plate uh, for this podcast. Um, so yeah, if you want to tell us a little bit about yourself and your position and kind of some, some details about Alberta on the plate and our partnership, go ahead. Hi, so my name is Rhiannon Green. I'm the Director of Finer Details at Food Tourism Strategies, Inc. And we are the producing partner for Alberta on the Plate. Uh, Alberta on the Plate, to take you back a little bit, if you haven't heard of the festival before, um, we are going into our third year. And we started out as a 10-day dine-around festival, province-wide in Alberta, that celebrates local food and drink. So what we were finding was that there are great initiatives like Alberta Open Farm Days, and then um, the government implemented Alberta Local Food Week. But there really was kind of a bit of a disconnect for a lot of the urban centers who support local on a regular basis, but they weren't really being, um, it wasn't really included as part of the, the food story as we were talking about. We talk about farm to table and it's fantastic, but for a lot of people, their interactions with local food actually come in the restaurants. Um, they might not be able to get out to the farm. They might not be able to get to a farmer's market, but the restaurant is their, their primary source of contact with local food. And so we thought that a province-wide celebration um, to tie in with Alberta Open Farm Days um, would really help add the restaurant component and really help enhance and celebrate our local food economy. And um, so three years ago, uh, my business partner and I decided um, to take a leap of and start Alberta on the Plate. Um, so we we take place during the ten uh, the seven days of Alberta Local Food Week and the weekend before and wrapping up on the same weekend as Alberta Open Farm Days to really help enhance that celebration of local food and drink all across Alberta. Um, from our first year, and then, of course, last year with COVID, that became a, a lovely challenge. Um, but we were thrilled to be able to still um, continue with our festival, unlike a lot of small events, because our festival, instead of one central meeting place, actually takes place in the individual restaurants across the province. So as long as the restaurants were still able to make food and still able to buy from their local producers, we were still able to take place. So we actually saw a lot of growth last year. We, because we added in a takeaway component. So even if the restaurant wasn't open for dining, they'd still be able to participate and celebrate and continue with that. From there now into our third year, we've actually grown to become a year-round platform to sharing and celebrating our Alberta local food story and still anchored by our 10-day festival. So coming up this August 6th to 15th, um, we will be once again having restaurants from all across Alberta 
showcasing fixed-price menus that highlight and celebrate some of the local farms, producers, breweries, distilleries that create such wonderful Alberta products. That's great. So when you talk about the local producers, what kinds of producers are we talking about? Oh man, all sorts of producers. As we um, most likely know, those of you listening on this lovely podcast, um, we have so many wonderful farms, um, whether it's our pork producers, our beef producers, our bison producers, you know, we have such great proteins that are being created and raised and, and taken care of here in Alberta. We have wonderful vegetable farms. We have um, honey farms and apiaries that produce not only honey products, but things like mead as well. And of course, our breweries, our distilleries, you know, it really is just about any type of of farming or producing and also into our processing side as well. Um, Really, we, we encourage that celebration of all different types of producers. That's great. So at the end of this, basically, it's a festival that's curated for the consumer. You can get everything that's paired perfectly by the restaurants? Yeah. So each restaurant, what they do is they, you know, get to be super creative. They can either utilize um, menu items that they already have that celebrate local, or they can come up with new ones. And most of our restaurants do that really celebrate that local spirit. So each of the menus has to use a minimum of three local producers um, in, in their local ingredients. So that could be, you know, a beef dish with some local cheese, some honey, um, and maybe, you know, some potatoes, all different types of things, as creative as they want to get. Um, but as long as it fits still, of course, with their, their typical restaurant menu. And then what they do is they add a recommended beverage pairing um, of a local craft beer, as well as a local cocktail that uses the spirit um, from one of our fantastic distilleries as well. But we we always like to see the pairings that some of these restaurants come out with. And, you know, we have some fantastic ones that actually they like to do things like beer flights that go with their multi-course menu. So each beer goes with a different course and they just have a lot of fun coming up and, and exploring some of the different um, beers and spirits that we have. Oh, that's great. Um, so another question for you then is what do you kind of hope to take away from this um, for this year? Um, our biggest, you know, mission as we get through there is really celebrating and showcasing that local food story. You know, we do a great job of it in the summer months when the farms all have products for sale and there's you picks and, you know, our farmers markets are open and things like that. But really our, our biggest struggle is you know, supporting that industry year round. So of course, you know, our, our farms don't go away as soon as winter hits, which unfortunately for us is very early in the year sometimes. Um, but what we want to do is we really want to make sure that people are still connecting to and, and supporting our local food producers and uh, beverage producers, of course, throughout the rest of the year. And so, because the more we support our local producers, the more sustainable our local food economy becomes. And as COVID has taught us anything and the challenges around, you know, importing goods and exporting throughout um, the rest of the world and being really dependent on other areas to provide us with those local ingredients when really we have such great products here close to home. It's really important that we keep supporting those food producers 
so that our economy here is sustainable regardless of what else is happening in the world. That's great. So you mentioned that it has a year round component. Um, So what does that kind of look like? So, of course, with our 10-day dine-around, our main emphasis is on our restaurant. Um, Throughout the rest of the year, what we really try to do is um, talk about and support um, the the building of more connections and relationships between our local producers and our restaurants. Um, So we host some networking sessions so that our chefs and restaurateurs can actually meet local producers, um, get introduced to some of their products, and look at integrating them into their regular menus year-round. We also highlight every single month um, different food stories of what's happening in different parts of the province. As we're well aware, Alberta is a really big place, and what's happening in the south doesn't necessarily um, translate to what's happening in the north. Every different corner of the province has its own unique food story, um, different types of producers, and a really different feel. So what we try to do is shed some light on what's happening in all across Alberta from one central point where we can all celebrate our, our story all together. I'm curious, um, bringing all of these local producers together, are there producers that you didn't know exist before you started this project? Um, I had a little bit of insight on that back end before. Uh, Previously, I worked at the Alberta Culinary Tourism Alliance, so I did have a pretty good idea of who all was out there. Um, But I will say for a lot of our our consumers and stuff like that all across Alberta, is you'd be surprised at the different types of products that we grow and raise here. You know, and a lot of people don't know things like Alberta Alberta sugar beets um, are what go into the Rogers processing plant and the refined sugar. If it's got that 22 on the back of the package, it's actually all Alberta um, produced because right now, right near Tabor, that's the only area in Canada that is producing sugar beets. So all of our, you know, there's different little stories like that that we keep seeing popping up. And, you know, we've got apiaries popping up everywhere and breweries popping up everywhere. And each one has its own unique flair and flavor. And it's so interesting to see how people are celebrating that that local community and really embracing their local partners, you know, from places like Blind Man Brewing that like to integrate a lot of the local products from nearby. And then we've got restaurants like Cilantro and Chive and Lacombe and, and Red Deer. They have their second location, of course, that really like to highlight and celebrate what everyone else is doing that then, you know, leads into other sorts of collaborative opportunities because when we all work together, we just do a much better job and raise everyone up with us. Yeah, that's really awesome. So um, speaking of like the restaurants, typically, and I may have already mentioned this, how many do you see that that get involved in this? Or like, is there a goal for how many restaurants you, you'd like to see be involved throughout the year or the festival, things like that? Yeah, so our first year when we started out, we had about 35 restaurants in nine different um, communities across Alberta. Last year, we saw that grow to over... Um, about 55 restaurants in, I believe it was 16 different communities across Alberta. So of course, our ultimate end goal would be to have restaurants in, you know, every different community across Alberta. That's a pretty lofty goal, you know, (laughs) but there's such different fantastic ways. So every year we're looking at different ways and how we can um, reach out to different restaurants and food service establishments and how we can really build this celebration bigger and bigger every year so that, you know, down the road, our whole province feels like they're celebrating 
our local food and drink. Um, for this year, of course, we're targeting um, a lot of our, our rural destinations um, and really trying to shed some light on, on the smaller places that might not get um, as much attention, uh, which brings this really cool integration of our, our restaurant story, our farm stories, but also a tourism story. And we can encourage people to get out, get on the road, go and visit um, those local communities that are, you know, 20 minutes down the road or an hour drive or maybe two hours and really explore Alberta when we're in such a, an important time to make sure that we're supporting our local um, communities and, and keeping that tourism spend closer to home. Um, with that, our, our restaurants that participate, um, we do have some, some very small criteria, but very important criteria in order to participate. Um, and number one being that, of course, you have to be someone that, that supports local year round. So while we would love to have every single restaurant in Alberta say, yeah, for 10 days, absolutely, we'll buy local, we'll support it all. Um, and celebrate it. And then, you know, at the end of that, we'll forget about it. Well, that, we're not interested in that. We want to make sure that the places that are joining our festival are ones that are going to continue that celebration throughout the rest of the year. So after our 10-day festival, they're still reaching out to those local producers. They're still bringing in different products onto their menus and really trying to enhance and celebrate um, our local food and drinks. So that's our, our very important piece, which is why, yes, we are are small and growing, as we like to say, um, but we are we are seeing such wonderful feedback from our our restaurants and and delis and cafes and you know breweries as well across the province of of different ways that they can engage and and really be a part of the celebration. And you noted that you had to modify last year's celebration. And I, I think this year might have some elements of that still. Like hopefully we're open by that point and everyone can come to a restaurant, enjoy everything in a nice sit-down fashion the way we the way we used to do. But you know, there's probably still going to be that um consideration for what the world has brought us this last year and a half. Uh, do you see that as a benefit and with places like the provincial parks and Calgary and Edmonton opening up parks to consuming liquor as well? Like people could, in theory, take these amazing meals and their pairings to a local park and enjoy them as a picnic in August because that, let's face it, that's a perfect time for a picnic. But do you see that kind of helping to grow this and making that tourism element more uh, simple for people to go and enjoy those rural areas maybe? Absolutely. And, and that was one of the big pieces when we incorporated the takeaway um, last year. You know, obviously it was a little bit out of necessity uh, due to the global climate. Um, but as we really started to take a look at what does that mean, what other opportunities kind of allow for that? I mean, you said it perfectly, incorporating, you know, that dine around piece and then taking that as a picnic out to a provincial park or out to a regional park up on a hike and things like that. It really allows um, for a, a wide variety of potential opportunities and new partnerships and things like that to evolve and, and different ways that people can engage with it. Incorporating the takeaway element last year also allowed us to branch out um, from in our first year, we were specifically geared towards um, traditional kind of brick and mortar restaurants. 
And then by incorporating the takeaway, that actually allowed us to open it up to um, some quick service and, and takeaway and grazing boxes and things like that. Um, so we saw some artisanal charcuterie um, producers like Fraser and Fig here in Calgary um, to be a part of our festival, but because they're still supporting those local producers and farms and incorporating a lot of local ingredients into what they're doing, um, but it made that perfect little, hey, come pick up your little box, take it on your hike, take it you know, on the boat, however you wanted to celebrate, um, but still encouraging people to, to have those opportunities. And now that this is part of the mandate as opposed to um, a pivot like it was last year, you know, it really allowed us to expand on what does that quick service and takeaway element look like. Um, and that allowed us to then provide a new um, menu option that can allow more uh, breweries to participate actually in the festival in a different way. Yeah, it's just a really cool concept. It's it's such a great idea to be able to, you know, just celebrate Alberta year round and then have some like wonderful festivals built in with that. It's just, uh, yeah, it's a really great idea. And it's, I think it's really awesome that all parts of Alberta can be included in this and, you know, our breweries and distilleries, cause yeah, like they're popping up all over the place, all throughout Alberta and, you know, in small towns and small areas that not many people maybe have heard of and stuff. So, you know, and same with like restaurants and everything. So I think it's a really cool concept to be able to include even, you know, the tourism side of it and just get people out and about and going to visit, you know, areas of Alberta that you would normally never even think about. Um, that's, I guess, one really cool thing, I guess, that kind of came out of COVID is just sort of being stuck um, we're able to explore where we live. And, and I know I realized how, how cool of a province we have by that. And, and this is, I think, such a great idea because it just will get everybody, you know, out and exploring all the different areas. So you had mentioned um, a little bit about the, that this is, you know, we're including um, tourism and incorporating that in the Alberta on the plate experience. Can you kind of fill us in a little bit more on that side of it? Absolutely. So, you know, um, Albertans are looking to stay a little closer to home these days. Um, we're really trying to focus all of our efforts around, you know, keeping that dollar closer to home and supporting our, our regional, um, you know, destinations and, and our smaller communities. And one of the ways that Alberta on the Plate is doing that this year um, is we are um, going to be offering hotel packages um, at uh, a variety of properties across the province. And um, so some of them will be dine in what we like to call dine and doze packages um, that will incorporate uh, some of the local restaurants that have um, accommodations. So for example, our um, the Fairmont Palliser in Calgary is going to be offering a wonderful dine and doze package. Um, and then we'll also have some special rates for our Alberta on the Plate participants at other properties that don't have restaurants attached to them. Um, but what it does is it allows us to really encourage people to get out and explore those other areas, whether it's within your own community and having what, you know, is love that lovely term of staycation, um, or as some people also like to call them, nearcations for the ones that are in, you know, maybe only half an hour out of your way or an hour away, but really getting out there and 
and encouraging that local overnight stay. You might not have, you know, a full week to get away, but maybe you can get away for a weekend or even just a night to get out and explore um, a different area or even what's in, in your own backyard, in your own community. So where can people find more information about Alberta on the Plate and keep tabs on what's going on? Absolutely. Um, our, our best resource for all of that is on our website at albertaontheplate.com. Um, it has the ongoing list of participating restaurants. So it's being updated on a regular basis because our regist- restaurant registration closes at the end of June. So we've got um, about 40 restaurants that are already signed up to participate. So we're really excited about that. Um, great combination of past participants and some wonderful new properties that we're really excited to have joining us for this year. Um, so yeah, so there's still another um, just over a month left to register to participate um, for any food service establishment. Um, uh, another great place for a lot of information for us is our, our social feeds. So we are on Facebook and Instagram. Um, Instagram, of course, because it is such a great place for food photos. So you'll find a lot of um, past photos from last year's menu and the year before. You'll also find um, some great stories from our local, our partners that um, we have and about the different elements of the Alberta food story. Um, and you can find a lot of that on Facebook as well. And we are always excited and happy to share any local food stories. So please feel free to reach out to us if you have something really cool that's happening in and around your area. Um, And of course, once COVID permits, um, we'll be back in the event game as well. Um, So we'll be potentially hosting some local food events that take place um, throughout the year, as well as during our Dine Around Festival, of course. Um, and we are super excited to, to work with the Alberta Small Brewers Association and really help shed some light on the fantastic breweries that we have all across Alberta. And, you know, um, we're seeing such wonderful food menus coming out at a lot of the breweries. So we actually went ahead and created, in partnership with ASBA, um, a wonderful um, menu option geared specifically for our our brewers out there that have um, a kitchen or have a food component um, in the brewery that really celebrates that local spirit um, so they can come together and create a signature Alberta dish that features at least three local producers um, that they would be offering for those 10 days. It doesn't cost anything to register to be a part of the festival. You just have to commit to um, your Alberta dish throughout the rest of um, throughout the 10 days of the festival. And, you know, it's, it's funny because as somebody who is a big beer enthusiast as I am, (laughs) um, I actually often end up at the breweries that have the great food as well. You know, it's great to have a good beer and laugh, um, but the places that offer the the awesome food experience as well, you know, you just can't help but linger and and eat everything on the menu. (laughs) So true. (laughs) That's great. So people can look for that August 6th to the 15th. Keep tabs on the website and Instagram. And yeah, check out some local, local flavors in all forms. It's exciting. <laughs> yeah, very exciting. All right. Well, that's just about it for today. So we just want to say thank you so much for listening. 
Um, we hope you enjoyed today's podcast and we hope to um, have you continue listening to us um, for the next upcoming episodes. Um, and also uh, just a note for all of our members, please keep an eye on your emails. Um, we will be having uh, released the um, Alberta Beer Awards categories as long as, uh, and also along with um, some information on the judging process and things like that. So a little bit of exciting information coming up in regards to the, the Beer Awards. Very excited about that. And hopefully if everything goes well, we can have an in-person event again. So yay. Yay. Can't wait for October. Although I'm not wishing the summer away just yet. No. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. And members, please keep in mind, we also have the Pints for Pints goal this month. For the month of June, we are working with Canadian Blood Services to get 100 donations from our members. Um, I'll be signing up pretty soon to donate. Just going to get rid of the heat wave right now that we're experiencing. Um, But please encourage your employees. You guys sign up. Uh, pints for pints. Our goal is 100 donations in the month of June. A good way to give back, easy way to give back, and great for the community. All right. Well, thank you for joining us on our second episode of All the Best Craft Banter. Look forward to episode three in the next couple of weeks. Again, that will be on all of our diversity committee efforts and addressing some of the issues that have come to light recently in the craft beer industry. Catch you next time. Cheers. Cheers.